Most dealership department managers look at their store's financial statements as though they're written in a foreign language. And that's because few of them have any training in how to read an income statement and the various analytical reports that support the statements. You can obtain a certain level of understanding of how this reporting works just by meeting with a dealer and general manager, but often there's a lot more that you can learn that will help both you as the manager and the dealership as a whole. Over her career as a group controller for one of the largest dealer organizations in the United States, and as a consultant with Lloyd Schiller's Dealer Service Corporation and NCM Associates, and now as president of Profit Blueprints, Brooke Samples has analyzed over 14,000 dealership financial statements. In today's workshop, she'll show us how to interpret your store's information and then how to apply real-world actions based on the results. We'll consider such questions as, what happens when the dealership sells something? So we'll follow the transaction through the financial statement to see what actually does happen and why. What happens when the dealership buys something and how does that show up in the financial statement and why is that important? We'll learn some best practices for comparing the financial statement to your department reports and doc, why they might be different, and when you should and should not worry about that. We'll also see how to keep the financial statements accurate with daily self-audits because there's nothing worse than trying to manage with corrupted data. And don't forget the balance sheet accounts and how this knowledge can impact your performance. Finally, we'll check out some performance benchmarks and KPIs to see when and why to compare your statements to these standards. Brooks' company, Financial Blueprints, gives her the advantage of reviewing lots of dealership financial reports and records every month with the goal of identifying actionable items that can have a significant impact on the bottom line. So, Brooke, welcome back to Dealer's Edge. Why don't you take over from here? 15%. Now, a good service department should be looking to retaining 25, if you're highlighting 30%, but certainly no less than 20% to do a good job as far as after you've paid all of your service expenses. Mike, do we have any questions to the, at this point? Uh, we, we do, Brooke. Okay. Uh, let me just I'll give you what we have. Uh, when we looked at the, uh, the cash account, Mm -hmm. uh, how much cash should a dealership have, uh, and is it okay to show an overdraft on your financial statement or a negative well, cash balance? No, I, I, I understand it. I will tell you, not a lot of people would show that. What they would do, and I've seen this because so I, they would basically make an entry, moving some of the contracts in transit they were waiting to, or a cash management account, moving it to the cash account so that it did not show up as, as far as anybody could tell, and then just reverse that entry at the beginning of the month. That's how many dealers do that. Now back to as far as how much cash we should have, there are several trains of thought on this. One is enough cash to cover one month's expenses or two months' expenses, and I have one client where they're huge in wholesale, so that comes into, it's not an expense, but it's a, a lot of purchases that they need to be able to cover and on a monthly basis. But on average, I would say, you know, one month's worth of expenses would be, it used to be two months, but that has been dialed back some, with money being invested in other portions of the dealership. Okay. Uh 
Let me just read this one to you. You mentioned accruing the work in process uh, on labor on open ROs at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. How do you suggest accruing other payroll expenses for other areas of the dealership? <clears throat> Would you take a daily average of expenses of a normal pay cycle times the number of unpaid days left in the month? Um, <clears throat> That would, would be how I would do pay- it. Okay. Would you accrue for payroll taxes uh, any pensions paid by the dealer and credits collected from employees against benefits, such as health insurance? Well, I wouldn't go to all that much effort. But <laughs> that's just me because when you make these accruals, you end up back, backing them out at the end of the you know, beginning of the next month. I would have an Excel spreadsheet which would put in and say you know the numbers from a a recent payroll that would calculate what your expense should be and it really wouldn't be that big of a deal to like you said the payroll taxes and all of that to accrue it the only thing is to make sure at the beginning of the next month you just back it out and it's just an in and out type entry no need to make it any details other than to the expense accounts no like okay I'm not gonna set aside $700 for Tom. Just, you know, here's how much for this expense, and then, you know, back it out. It's very discouraging for me when I look at reports and people post the bonuses or accruals in the next month, and this is typically on bonuses, and you have a really great month, and you don't accrue for those bonuses, and then you have a slower month, and now you got huge payroll expense to go with it. I like to keep everything in the same month that it it, we should have paid it if we had closed the doors. Here's how much we should have paid. And I think it's a personal preference if you want to accrue for the payroll taxes. I'm not quite sure how much that's going to you know, impact your financial statement or not. But one way or the other, I would certainly accrue for the pay, unpaid out holiday, you know, three days in, at the end of February, for example. Okay. Um, you showed us... Uh the example of uh, when we sell a car and, uh, and, and calculating the gross profit, could you uh, take a second and discuss where the, the pack fits into that calculation? And, and maybe for people who are not in the sales department, could you uh, tell us what a pack is and how it affects the sales commissions? That's a question that as far as a pack would be where we, a soft pack or a hard pack where we've added X number of dollars, or we just pack a car before we calculate commission. Let's say we want to hold out some of the gross profit when we're calculating the commission. That kind of pack would would not be any different than the way you looked at that transaction. If we say, okay, well, minus $500, now we'll calculate it. That does not impact the financial statement other than the amount that we pay the salesperson. For something that such as a dock fee that you might add on to the deal, but you're not going to pay anybody on. Most of my clients, I find they put that into miscellaneous income. So if you say, okay, we collected you know, $399 on this customer, but nobody gets paid on that, most clients, I see them putting that into a miscellaneous income account. But that's one of those questions where, you know, get with accounting. Ask them, okay, here's a deal. Just take one deal and say, can you, can you help me understand where all these transactions, where it ended up on the financial statement? You know, take a blank financial statement and follow through on that. 
Okay. Um, in the dealerships these days, I'm just a, maybe a little out of touch. Are the managers still given paper financial statements, or are the, or are the financials all now um, on the computer and the DMS? I still have dealers who don't give anything to their managers that yeah, I work boy, with, and they, yeah. you know, they wait for me to give send my report, which is just focus on their department. Okay. I would uh, they have to send find, you know printed ones if I get you know PDF. I would certainly want to if I was a manager. I like to touchy feely. I would like to look at a printed one. Okay, so the question was, where can I get, with each of these lines on the financial statement, there, there are other entries that, you know, that, that went into adding up to those numbers. Mm -hmm. Where do we get, where can we get the detail? Uh, if we see something that looks out of line, where can I get details to what actually uh, was, was in that account? It is going to be up to you to go to the office. And they can drill down and tell you what account numbers go into that, and you can look from there. Now, if you get no response from the accounting office, then you need to go higher because in order to be a good manager, we need to know what's hitting our accounts okay. All right, and how we take, can change it. All right, let's take one more question and then get back into the okay. workshop. Um, how do you determine the, the, a good level or right level of floor plan liability and floor plan interest expense? Well, that goes hand in hand with your day supply of inventory. Mm -hmm. So, if, you know, if we calculate, if we set a target of 60 days supply of inventory based on our sales, we can pretty well, our floor plan, most dealerships will floor plan a new vehicle as soon as, even if the dealer trade, as, long as, as soon as they know it's going to be on their lot. Simply because, in fact, most, lots of times you have insurance that goes along with it, so we want that to be covered under the insurance from the floor plan insurance. And let's say those value, the difference should be negligible, except when you come to the end of the month. And again, if you, if you had a huge weekend at the end of the month, you sold 25 cars, and you have not paid those off yet because you're waiting to cash, those con cash the contracts, then there's going to be a big gap. I don't like to see the gap too big, but there, that's you know, the way it is. And used vehicles typically has always been, we don't want to floor any used vehicles, but we can buy vehicles from the auction and they give you a good no interest for 90 days, then go ahead. But typically that interest is more expensive than it's going to be on your new vehicle. All right, uh, one more question then. Um, it, it didn't show on the balance sheet uh, example uh, here, but I've seen on other statements where you see uh, either loans to employees or accounts receivable from employees. Uh, do you have an opinion on, on that sort of thing? Well, we are not a bank. Yeah. And if... An employee wants to have it taken out of his paycheck. It's one paycheck. It's not spread out. Good. We have lending sources if they need to, you know, right. buy something that we can hook them up with. I am not a – now, mind you, when I first started, that was a very big account. I've gotten away from the fact that I don't want to be where I'm a bank for them, my employees. Mm -hmm. Okay. What, what other reports – uh, that are that are not on the financial statement might the dealership managers have access to to, to help them 
uh, analyze where they are and where they're headed. Well, hopefully, and we're going to cover this in a few minutes here, okay. they would get a doc. And I'm always dismayed when I hear managers don't get a doc because that is one of the key reports to keeping the numbers clean and, you know, understanding. Because a doc is going to be compared to your financials, and they should be identical. So if you look at your doc every day, and we're going to talk about why there's a variance, there's no surprise at the end of the month. So that's why, you know, besides the, in, but the internal reports are not going to be the ones that show up on the financial statement. The closest thing, information you have is going to be off of a, a doc. Okay. Uh, we had a suggestion from the audience. Uh, it's a good idea once in a while to, to for payroll accounts, uh, to try to put a name to the numbers, find out mm -hmm. who's, being pay who's being paid. Uh, and it, it made me laugh because I remember an occasion where something didn't something didn't look right to me. It was a manager's the, the total for manager's compensation looked too high, and we dug into it a bit. And, and there was one name that I didn't recognize. Uh, and every when I brought it up, everybody just laughed because they all knew about it. And it turned out he was the uh, he was the son of the union representative, the union shop, and uh, in order to keep peace. The union rep insisted that the dealership hire his son as an assistant used car manager, uh, even though the only time anybody saw him was on payday to come and get his check. Uh, but those are the kinds of things that can pop up and throw off mm -hmm. your uh, financial statement analysis. That, the other thing somebody brought up is uh, what, do you, what should we do about you know, what they call dealers, dealer toys that end up on the dealership balance sheet, things like the dealer's boat, uh, or a collectible car or something like that that the dealer keeps at the store and puts on the financial statement. Uh, well, is it enough to, just to know mm -hmm. about it and note it? Or, it would uh, be, it would, in my opinion, it would be one of those items under the fixed assets. Mm -hmm. And I would have a, see, I'm a real big schedule person, not paper schedules, but I would have everything scheduled so that if you want to have a category called, you know, toys, fine. <laughs> but... You know, some dealers do put it up there in the inventory, but you know, if you have the word owner after your, <laughs> after your name, then yeah. okay, whatever you want. Now, if you have a title general manager, then no. You don't have that okay. same luxury. All right. Okay. What, what's the basis for allocating expenses across dealership departments? How do you do that? Uh, is there a right way to do that, and is there is there... How do you make sure you're being fair? It depends on the expenses, but if you look at items that have to do with the footprint of the building, I would, you know, as far as, let's say, rent, you know, how much of that square footage is attributed to parts department? How much is attributed to service and sales? If it has to do with personnel expense, let's say a general manager, you might do it as far as contribution to gross profit, or it can be just equally divided among each of the departments. But each suspense has to be looked at on a one-on-one -on -one basis. You know, utilities, I'm not sure it would be fair at all to divide it equally between all the departments when the sales department's running their lights at night and the parts department's closed and they don't have much electricity going on. So it's one of those things you want to see what is fair based on each individual expense. 
And there are many expenses that can easily be broken out per department, payroll taxes, workers' comp, but based on who actually generated that expense. Okay. And uh, do, the, uh, do the manufacturers still provide some, some advice on how to do that, at least as a, for a starting point? I don't know, but if anybody, you know, if you, anybody wants to email me, I have a sheet that has it broken out for several, like four or five different ways of breaking out the fixed expenses, which are not department specific. I'll be happy I do to share remember that. One uh, one argument was uh, the uh, the service department had had a lot of square footage and were being charged hefty rent. Uh, but they'd complain that their their square footage wasn't as nice as the new car department. <laughs> right? Too bad for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the dealer didn't buy that though. Uh, nope. Okay, I think that's the last of our questions, and and uh, probably a good place to end today's workshop. Uh, again, Brooke has offered uh, the uh, you have a link there in your your notes, uh, place to go for an Excel spreadsheet. You can you can plug in some of your own numbers. Uh, and get some uh, suggestions or some pointers on, on uh, where to go as to whether your, uh, your numbers are accurate or, or uh, maybe need some work. Um, and there are other Dealer's Edge workshops uh, that if you have questions on specific areas that we covered today, you can just uh, go into the search feature at dealersedge.com and, uh, and you'll come up uh, with a long list of, uh, of workshops in our library. Uh, you could also uh, go to uh, just, just search on Brooke Samples in Dealer's Edge and come up with everything that Brooke has done with us. Uh, and again, that's going to be an extensive list in the library. Uh, if you look at your uh, chat window, there's another link there. Uh, you've got the, the Brooks offer, uh, but you also have a link for handouts for today's handouts if you want to get those at dealersedge.com. Uh, and so with that, I'm going to close out. Uh, thank all of you for joining us today. Uh, we had a large audience from across the country and, uh, and Canada, and we appreciate you all joining us and taking the last hour or so and spending it with Dealer's Edge and Brook Samples. I'd like to offer special thanks to Brooke Samples for taking, today's, for taking her time to put today's workshop together uh, and for sharing her experience and expertise with us. Brooke, thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. And and with that, uh, we're going to say goodbye for this week and hope you can join us again uh, when we, we gather again for another Dealer's Edge workshop. Thank you.